I just, I love to tell stories, the end. That's why it's not like, it's not about money per se. It's not about thinking about a brand. I mean, if there is a brand for me, it's if you pick up one of my books, um, at least my hope is the pages almost turn themselves. You just keep whatever it is, whether it's a love story or, uh, and that's what I try to do. Um, So if there is a brand, that's what it is. A kid's story is the same thing. But I don't consciously think about a brand. Uh, I have developed that style. I don't think I'm a brilliant writer, but I but I know my strengths and my weaknesses. Welcome to On Brand with Donnie Deutsch. I'm Donnie Deutsch, and this is the podcast dedicated to a simple premise that everything and everybody is a brand. Every institution, every religion, every product, every corporation, every politician, all brands. Brand is a set of values, and what we do here is a couple of things. We do our uh, big interview with a uh, individual about their own personal brands, and we've got what well, we do our brands of the week, which is basically which brands are up, which brands are down, who's kind of driving uh, the world in the direction it's going, and let's get right to it. Here's something that's really sobering. Uh, brand down or brand up to pay, we look at for anti-democracy Americans. This is really interesting. This is from Axios, uh, Axios Ipsos to Americans Index. He says, the president's about one in three Americans prefer strong unelected leaders to weak elected leaders and say presidents should be able to remove judges over their decisions. Uh, the finding of this poll shattered the myth that Americans overwhelmingly agree in a common set of democratic values. So one in three Americans think, no, I'd rather have an unelected official than a weaker elected official. And one in three Americans think they should be able to uh, remove judges. And more Democrats actually are the ones that say they should remove judges if it's going against the popular will, if it's going against majority opinion. Now, that obviously is a lot of the outgrowth of what's happened Roe v. Wade. People are saying, whoa, wait a second, 80% of Americans or 70% of Americans agree with this, and yet the judges could go another direction. So that is an outgrowth of that, but that is that is just ridiculous. Uh, judges, 42% of Democrats agreed with the president should be able to remove judges when decisions go against the national interest compared to only 29% of Republicans. But those are some pretty staggering numbers. Brand down for Ron DeSantis. You know, he did this really stupid Martha Vigna stunt with immigrants, uh, basically saying we're going to, we kind of somehow lured them on planes and got them to go to Martha's Vineyard and thinking that Martha's Vineyard would send them back. Obviously, Martha's Vineyard, a very elite hub, vacation hub. And unfortunately for DeSantis, they've taken them in and they've given them aid and uh, that has backfired on him. But just his ability to not even look at humans as humans and use these migrants as a... um, inhuman pawns in his scheme. Uh, shame on him. Brand up for Gavin Newsom. I, I don't think he's going to be the right choice for governor for uh, president of the United States, the governor of California. But he's doing a smart thing. He's done this before. He's really aligning himself against Ron DeSantis. He, he, I, I, again, he's challenged DeSantis to a uh, debate over 2,500 million miles away. He's saying, let's do it on CNN. And he's smart. He wants to be seen as the heir apparent Democrat. So what is he doing? He's doing a Hertz and Avis. He's aligning himself against DeSantis. And I think that's a really smart thing to do. Biggest brand down for the week and biggest boner moron for the week is um, Lindsey Graham suggesting a national abortion uh, ban. You know, the, the defense from so many Republicans on the abortion ban was, hey, look, this should be about the states. Forget about what you think about abortion, abortion. Federal government shouldn't be in, in your bedroom. Uh, one way or the other. And now they're saying, yes, they should be. What a gift. You know, uh, coming off of a week of where the, the, the 
inflation numbers scared the bejesus out of people once again. There was a slight rise instead of an anticipated slight decline from the previous month. Uh, they stole the news thunder. They, they stole Lindsey Graham's news thunder. I mean, Lindsey Graham stole the inflation thunder, and he became uh, uh, a lightning rod on the news. And this is a gift for the Democrats in the midterms. What a moron, Lindsey Graham. What a jerk. Brand up for Hispanics in Texas. They're about to become the largest demographic group consensus data shows. They will be larger than whites. Uh, the new population surveyed uh, shows that Hispanic Texans make up 42% of the state's population, while white non-Hispanic make up 39 Point four, And this is a precursor for what's going to happen in the rest of the country. So now there are more non-whites, specifically Hispanics in Texas, than whites. And we'll see that's going to, how that's going to play out in elections. Twitter, brand down. Twitter could face billions in fines over not protecting minors from porn. Twitter's reportedly failed to adequately police underage pornography across its social network. The risk is now introducing possible federal engagement that could cost the company billions of dollars. Unlike other major social media companies, Twitter allows porn on its site. Come on, Twitter. Can't you figure out how to protect underage porn? I, I, I mean, safeguard the world for it. Like, what the fuck, man? Come on. Twitter just, you know, they just keep looking worse and worse in so many different areas. Obviously, uh, the Elon Musk fiasco that continues, uh, and Twitter needs a certain brand overhaul. Brand up for office cubicles. They're coming back. Now, you know, if, if this is a Wall Street article. You've had the... the um, mega trend into a completely open office space where people just sit in rows and rows of offices, no individual offices, no cubicles. But now cubicles are coming back. People, it seems, uh, want some seated privacy. I, in my old office, I, I thought that there shouldn't be closed offices, but cubicles are a good idea. It still makes it open, but people have their own kind of workspaces, and I, I think that's a good thing. I think completely open offices are not necessarily... Um, inducive to the best work environment. That's just me. Brand up the Patagonia and the founders, Ivan Chuinard. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but I should. I certainly should because he and his spouse and two adult children are giving the ownership of the apparel maker. He started some 50 years ago. He donated the car company, $3 billion net cap worth capital of the company to fight climate change. There you go. That's somebody putting their money where their mouth is. Brand up for... Um, Will Welch and GQ, he is the new uh, editor-in-chief. Of, he's been there for a few years, but they are kind of moved. They have been promoting a new masculinity on the cover of uh, talking in their post-Me Too. You had Pharrell Williams in a quilted gown-like Montclair coat, bracketed by the words, the, the, the new masculinity issue in a kind of free-fru font. I'm just quoting frou-frou. I don't know if that's an appropriate word anymore. I'm just reading from something here, so I don't know if I would just call it in a more unmasculine font. Um, you have Brad Pitt, uh, who went a new masculine makeover in the August 2022 cover, pictured on a bed of flowers in an electric blue Louis Vuitton shirt, looking like a cross between David Bowie uh, and Joan Crawford in <laughs> later years. Once again, I'm just reading this copy. And of course, look, you have what Harry Styles is doing, showing up in what would, you know, from another time seen as women's wear. He carries a pocketbook. He wears pearls. Why not? I mean, this is not, you know, who, this is just all accessories. So who's to say a man shouldn't wear pearls? I, you know, I, I believe in in that we are that there in a lot of the. Uh, I believe men should be men and women should be women, but men should also be women if they want to be women, and women should be men. And who cares? You know why? Why not dress the way you want to dress? I got I got no problem with it. 
says the old 65-year-old coot. Brand down for Kanye West and Gap. It's been a failure. I talked earlier on the show how that was going to be a monster, monster success, but the partnership has not worked out. Uh, shares of the retailer fell nearly 4% on Thursday when they announced this. It's been embarrassing for both. Uh, Kanye is, is complaining that um, the Gap didn't live up to their end of the deal. The Gap was complaining because Kanye wanted his uh, sweatshirts like shown in garbage bags. So not a marriage made in heaven, so to speak. Brand up for the Phantom of the Opera. Closing, uh, I guess you'd say it's a brand down, but I'm going to still give it a brand up. Longest running show in history by far, by almost double, for Cats and Chorus Lines, some of the shows like that. Some of the longest running shows still on Broadway that were uh, it started a little bit later were our Chicago, The Lion King, so they kind of take over uh, as the longest running show. Brand up for the NFL season, uh, off to great TV ratings, the Sunday Night Football, uh, highest in, since 2017 with plus 32% viewers. And look, I've said this many times on this on this podcast that that sports is the only thing that people that gets eyeballs anymore. It's the only thing that people watch live, and there is certainly proof to that. Brand up for Michael Jordan, his last dance jersey sold for a record $10.1 million. Jersey worn by Michael Jordan in his first game of the 1988 finals sold for $10 million, breaking the previous record by a long shot. Also, I brand up for Roger Federer retiring. I mean, great statesman. I can't think of too many athletes with too many sports who have had such an impeccably flawless career from both a performance and a persona point of view. So let's give Roger Federer a big brand up. Let's give a brand up to Vegan Spam. It's not really spam, but it's Korea's Better Meat launches U.S. with Vegan Spam-style canned ham. So this is now a canned ham spam-like product that's not meat. I don't get it. Let me just say, as one guy, I just don't get it. So we're going to have to give them a brand down. I'm sorry. Brand up for Zaxby's Sauces Up Popsicles. Zaxby's, the rectus chain known for fried chicken, has immortalized two of his signature dipping sauces into popsicles, or they call them saucicles. They'll be Zax sauce and tongue torch. So if you want popsicles that taste like barbecue sauce, there you go. Why not? Brand up for whiskey perfume. Smelling like booze is stylish, not sad, as Monkey Shoulder launches. This is a booze whiff perfume. So if you want to smell like you're drunk, you wear this stuff. And we're going to give that a brand up. I'm sorry, not a brand up. Uh, this is a really cool thing. Brand up for subversaries. This is kind of your annual recognition of since the time you went sober. You know, you talk to anybody that is that is uh, is now sober that previously had uh, was an alcoholic or had a drinking problem, they will certainly know the date that they became sober and they changed their lives around. And now the the I guess the greeting card industry is making greeting cards for it and it's becoming a thing that people congratulate each other on. And I think that's a really good thing. So subversaries. Brand out for cranberries. There could be a cranberry shortage in Thanksgiving. Uh, there's a drought in Massachusetts could wreak havoc on this year's Thanksgiving festivities. The heat wave destroyed cranberry crops. Um, is so get your cranberries now. You get your cram, you know, especially if you want to get that cranberry mold that we all like. Here's a really gross thing: leg brand up. Or I have to get brand down for leg lengthening. Men are getting their legs broken to add three to six inches of height. Well, before you get excited to go, guys who are a little on the shorter side, this means you get your legs broken. It takes a year of painful recovery. I, don't, I can't even get into it, but that's what people are doing. In order to make patients, the toilers are using sexual equivalent of losing handheld drill to break the recipient's bone and hollow them out so that nails can be implanted in them. So it doesn't make your entire body, just your legs longer, which probably maybe your portions are weird, but... 
There you go. And finally, hover bikes. An incredible new hover bike made its U.S. debut at Detroit Auto Show last Thursday. The X Turismo hover bike is made by Japan startup Airwinds Technologies. It can fly for 40 minutes, reaching speeds up to 62 miles an hour. So your hover bikes are coming. We can all fly soon. And those are our brands of the week. Now I'd love you to listen to my interview with the great James Patterson. I am thrilled to introduce today's guest. I have to tell you I've done about 100 of these, and I don't think I've looked forward to any more of these than I have of this one. James Patterson is a legend. I'm going to just tick off some of his remarkable statistics. He's published his first novel in, in, in 76, 1976, the, the Thomas Berryman number. Since then, he has written or co-written over 320 books, 425 million copies. Here's my favorite stat. His novels account for 1 in 17, roughly 6% of all hardcover novels sold in the U.S. He's had more than 114 New York Times bestselling novels. Patterson holds a New York Times record for most number one New York Times bestsells by a single author, a total of 67. He's the first author to have a number one new title simultaneously in the New York Times adult and children's book charts. I can go on and on. Um, yeah, some of them are actually good, too. Yeah, <laughs> as opposed to what Stephen King says. I mean, that motherfucker. I mean, nah, I don't know what that's whatever. about. He said that a long time ago. I think he's reformed. I think he's reformed. But I want to start with his career in advertising because I was a pup when you were uh, the, the CEO of North America for J. Walter Thompson, the creative director. Um, yeah. And what's so interesting is I did my homework on you is how I much- I wasn't advertising, but I've been clean for- You've been clean for 30 years is what you said, and you called it Satan's world. You have this amazing love-hate relationship because so much of kind of your, I don't want to say your- your uh, Style, whatever, voice. Yeah. Your, your voice, your modus operandus, your inspiration. Well, you know what it is? It's partly voice. It's partly just uh, the one thing or one of the things that advertising taught me is there's somebody on the other side. Yeah. You're communicating to somebody. There's an audience. There's a respect and, for and that. And you have that in your mind. And you think you know everything. And then they test some stuff and, and like nobody paid attention. And you went like, oh. Well, the great news is they don't, they don't test your novels. I mean, it's, it's not. Uh, a good- yeah. Well, they, well, they sure they do. They test in a marketplace. Right. One so thing that. The, best I, test of all. The, the, the thing that. I think is one of my favorite things is the speech you would give every year to the new interns or the new employees at, at, at um, uh-huh, J. Walter uh-huh. Thompson. Talk to me about that because it really is a, a well, precursor yeah. for your approach to, to a lot of the way you start uh, your book. I think it's a precursor for a lot of success in, in advertising and marketing yes. too. Um, what I would do is I'd get up in front of all the interns or whatever there were, 40, 50, and all the different disciplines. And I'd say, look, I'm going to try to teach you how to make a million dollars a year. And it's really relatively simple as a principle. And I'd have a cream pie in my hand and I'd hold it in a sort of threatening way. And then I would invite somebody up from the audience and they would stand next to me. I'd look at the cream pie and then I would give it to them. And I say, hit me. And they'd hit me in the face with the cream pie. And they said, here's the whole thing. Hit them in the face with the cream pie. And while you have their attention, say something smart. The end. That's all there is. There's nothing else. If you don't get their attention, it's pointless. And if you get their attention and then you don't say something that moves them, that's pointless. So, and there it is. I mean, that's within reason. That's it in a nutshell. That's really, I mean, that is it. And and you're writing, you know, that you talk about laboring over that first sentence and, and how and so your chapters are so succinct. And, and, so, and it's, that's very much what you brought into your writing. Yeah. Well, what I really labor uh, over, uh, Donnie, is is the outline. Uh, uh, and that I'll do. I'll write that outline three, four, five times. 
Now, what is, uh, and, tell and me I when think, you, you've, you've talked a lot about your outlines that you have your, yeah. so what, what is an outline? What exactly is an outline to a book? For me? Yeah. Well, you know, always start, I have a, somewhere in the background here, there's a, there's a big pile. Your folder, you got your famous folder. Yeah. Ideas on it. Yeah. yeah. And um, when it comes time, I'll, I'll kind of go through there and see if something's resonating with me. Like I'm getting a little excited about that idea. You know, like I have a book coming out, I think it's next week. Yes. Called Blowback. And the idea is, um, okay, we kind of know this, but we, we've been reminded that it, it's it's a dangerous thing to have a president and have all that power in their hands. Um, and then and then just that notion of imagine if American president went insane. And imagine imagine if, imagine that, right? Imagine yeah, that. I know, hard to imagine, yeah. right? But but then imagine that this president is as smart as, let's say, Putin. OK, yeah. really, really, really crazy and insane. And, you know, we kind of maybe we have that situation with with Russia right now. Yeah. Um, so that's the concept we started. I, I like that concept. I thought it was, you know, there used to be back in the 50s and 60s. There were there were a few novels like that. Seven days in May and fail safe mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it kind of paranoid and they fit the times. I think this thing fits the times now because we're all like, holy, whatever. Yeah. It's it's there's crazy stuff going on, you know, everywhere we look. And 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 then okay, now is there a story? So then I would sit there, and that's where the outline comes so in. So what what is it? How how long is an outline? For me, uh, I usually write fifty to seventy pages. Okay. Uh, of an outline, and then I'll rewrite it and rewrite it and rewrite it. and uh, Mike Connolly is a very good mystery writer. He writes um, the Bosch series and the uh, Lincoln Lawyer, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, what Jim does is every single scene, I try to do this anyway, and he's smarter about my writing than I am. But he says, every scene moves both the plot and the characterization forward and turns on the movie projector in our heads. That's certainly what I try to do. Yeah. I, I, you know, whether I, So I will never do or almost never do like a scene in the graveyard, like they're going to come and then what's going to happen? Somebody's going to fall on the grave. Oh, my God, you know, whatever. Right. Or a car will put a mysterious car in the parking lot with somebody mysterious. You know, so I don't want that scene. You know, in theory, we don't have an infinite number of scenes to tell a story, but we have a, a, a lot of a lot of possible scenes. And it's just picking out the ones that really tell the story the best and for you, me. Your voice is in, is in every man's voice, and it obviously comes from your childhood in Newburgh. But I want to go back to advertising also is you have to speak in that voice. To be able to sell something to somebody, and, and so you literally appro- always approach things. Same voice, sure. Yeah, yeah, and they, you, and they want they have to keep listening. They have to keep reading, listening, whatever the heck it is you're watching. So, like an Alex Cross, where, g- give me the the inspiration for that character. And you you you've got a half a dozen series. Obviously, Cross was kind of the first one that really broke through in a in a big way. Yeah, where yeah, where, yeah, where, yeah, where yeah. did he come from? Well, where, you know, even with outlines, that's an interesting one, and I mentioned it in the book in in the autobiography. Uh, James Patterson by James Patterson, in case you're uh, wondering. Right, in case you're keep, keeping score uh, at never, home. Never Where, where'd you come up with that? Where'd you come up with that name, by the way? The title? Yeah. <laughs> it, that's actually the title. You know, the time says it's, the name is James Patterson. No, the title is James Patterson by, by James, James Patterson. Patterson. Right. That's the title of the book. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, at any rate. Um, but when I was writing uh, um, the, the first cross novel, I actually wrote like a 350-page outline really long outline. And and then I, I started reading it over and I said, this is kind of the book. The book yeah. And that's where the voice came from. That's when the short chapters came from. That's where the colloquial, I mean, I, I added to it. And and my editor at the time said it was very similar to 
what Springsteen had done when he did that album, Nebraska, where he did just this sort of this little guitar track and he kept it around for four or five months. And he suddenly said, no, that's kind of it. That's kind of it. I want it to be that simple. So that's, that's where the style came from. And with cross, I mean, a piece of it is I grew up in Newburgh, New York, as you mentioned, and, um, Newburgh is a tough little river town. Yeah. It's tougher now than it was when I was a kid, but it was a tough town then. Uh, um, you know, a, a, a lot of uh, a good combination of black and white uh, in terms of the population. I played a lot of basketball in those days. Um, and, um, you know, I, I just I would keep seeing these movies and, and, and every time, you know, Hollywood, they're so, you know, wonderful and whatever. But in those days, every time you saw a black person, they had it like a. Uh, you know, a, a, a radio on there, you know, yeah, whatever. And, boom box. This, yeah. and I said, you know, yeah, no, I don't get that. And, and so I had, my grandparents had a small restaurant there and uh, the, the, the cook was a black woman. She stayed with us when I was a kid for a couple of years, she's having problems with her husband. And I spent a lot of time with that family and they were smart and they were funny and the food was good and the music was good. And that's kind of where the notion for Alice Cross's family came from. And it was the opposite. And that's why Morgan Freeman got involved with it. He said, you know, I love the family and, and I and I love that Cross stops, stops problems with his head, not just by going in there and, and kicking butt. How does what is the feel the difference in the feeling <clears throat> seeing something in print and then seeing something on film like that? I mean it was it was it was, uh, a, it, was a, it was a blockbuster. Well, movie. I will say that I'm happier with with some of the books. I mean, some, you know, not so much, but a lot of them I, I, I like what I like the way it turned out. You always hope they're gonna turn out, but who you know, you know, four hundred pages later it's like hmm, sure. <laughs> yeah. not as good as I thought it was gonna be. Um the movie thing hasn't been as successful as I'd like it to be. Um, the cross movies are okay because Morgan Freeman is great. Morgan Freeman, yeah, yeah. The movies they're they're adequate, but and Morgan's wonderful and he saves you know both of the cross or two of the three cross movies. Um, what the one kid movie I did was pretty good. So the movies I've been a little disappointed in. We're going to do um uh, on Amazon uh, Alice Cross series yeah. now. Yeah, I read that. So that yeah, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. The scripts are pretty good. Um, Amazon is, is a good partner. We're going to do Women's Murder Club on Amazon, I think. And then we have the Dolly Parton. How did you um, get with, together with, I, I, we're going to talk about your collaborations with Clinton and uh, with Dolly Parton. Yeah, How yeah, did that yeah. come about? I mean, I would not, in the world, I would not put together Jim, Jim Patterson and Dolly Parton. So tell, tell me how that. Ah, the, you don't know me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, I, um, I, I just, I had this idea, a little loose idea for, for a, a, a novel about a country Western singer. And I always liked what Dolly stood for. And, and she and I both, you know, spent a lot of time trying to get kids reading. So I just called up and I got a hold of her manager and, and I said, I'd like to come talk to her, you know, whatever. And and he talked to her and she said, you know, sure. You know, so I came, I went down to Nashville. I went to Vanderbilt, so I know Nashville mm -hmm. pretty well. And um, I, uh, you know, we spent a couple of hours together and we just headed off. We're both, you know, similar kind of background. She, I came from Newburgh, which was this, you know, whatever. My right. father grew up in the poorhouse there, and and Dolly came from this, you know, almost not even a town in in the hills of Tennessee. And um, uh, we both we were both sort of like down to earth about stuff. You have a good sense of humor. You know, she said uh, I I put it in the book. She said I uh, um, she said Jim, I've written thousands of country songs. She said I could I could write one here standing on my head. Want to see? <laughs> you know, and that's kind of the way she is. And. And, and we really have become really nice friends. I just sent her. She's doing her Christmas movie. So I called her up and wished her Merry Christmas. 
um, you know, she got a kick out of it. For my last birthday, she sent me a poem. And she knew it was good because she framed it, you know. And it's it's called New Old Friends. And uh, she said that at, at one point uh, she, she wrote a country song about and said there was no such thing as New Old Friends. you got to put in your time. And she said she believed that until she met me. And she said, even though we've only spent a year and a half together, she said, we're, we're new old friends. That's how close we've become. Uh, I always love you, Dolly, she said at the bottom of it. Um, so it's been a great thing. And I have a similar you know, relationship with the Clintons, uh, Bill and Hillary. You know, we really have become friends. Uh, we go out to, It's nice. It's a, just a nice thing. And, you know, I don't know, whatever. So I want to talk uh, about branding a little bit. And the whole premise of this podcast is that kind of everybody and everything today is a brand. Every politician, every institution, every movement, every celebrity, every, every, every anybody's got a yeah, face, yeah, yeah. face well, page. I know what happens whether you want it to happen or not. But yeah. yeah sure. everything. And you're kind of the first you and this is another place where your your advertising uh, birthplace inspired uh, how you approached your writing is you realize two things you realize that you were a brilliant writer but you also realize that you were a brand and that there was a way to be more prolific by co-branding in effect and doing brand extensions and you know bring co-authoring with other authors and and yeah. and basically birthing the ideas and the outlines but kind of yeah. handling them off at the same time. And that was that was truly, truly breakthrough. And that's you could not have been as prolific without doing that. And there is yeah. the James Patterson brand. And, and and that, to me, I think is what has separated you from well, every other think, author in the history of, of authors. Yeah, I, 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 I don't consciously think of it that way. I just, I love to tell stories, the end. That's why it's not like, it's not about money per se. It's not about, thinking about a brand. I mean, if there is a brand for me, it's a, if you pick up one of my books, um, at least my hope is the pages almost turn themselves. You just keep whatever it is, whether it's a love story or, uh, and that's what I try to do. Um, so if there is a brand, that's what it is. A kid's story is the same thing. But I don't consciously think about a brand. Uh, I have developed that style. I don't think I'm a brilliant writer, but I, but I know my strengths and my weaknesses. Uh, and the strength why, of why are you not a brilliant writer? I, I, I listed the credit. You know, it's so I, interesting. You, you're very self-effacing. You're very self-effacing. You, the, the record speaks and, and for itself. <laughs> <laughs> Just as you talked about in the mar the marketplace speaks. So why are you not a brilliant writer? I, I would beg to differ. I don't. It's just me. It's just the way mm -hmm. I look at it. You know, it's an interesting thing. There was, a you know, whatever, one of these mixed reviews uh, recently in the Washington Post. And... Um, inadvertently, and I don't think he meant it as a big compliment, but he said the book is pure Patterson, pure James Patterson. And I really took that as like an incredible compliment and really sure. uh, something about whatever the hell I'm doing, because you can't put pure in front of a lot of writers' names. There's definitely something there that's different, for better or worse. Yeah. Um, well, what makes it even more surprising um, is pure for a guy that writes kid stuff, the thrillers, science fiction, yet there's still a purity yeah. to a Jim Patterson book. And that, there's that a, yeah, there's something going on there. And, you know, and, and it, it ain't bad. And it's, you know, <laughs> contrary to what Steve, you know, the thing with Stephen King, I, I think King is I think he is a brilliant writer and a brilliant storyteller. And I think he's a good dad. There's a there's a thing I say in the book about um, in the autobiography about um, uh, the issue to me is that it's not black versus white or rich versus poor or any, you know, the problem is assholes. 
So I think, you know, Stephen is, uh, I think he's a really good writer. I think he's, he seems to be a really good dad. And I think he's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, love it. I keep, yeah, I you know, he, 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 it's like high school. I mean, yeah. seriously. It's called, you know what it's called? It's called envy and jealousy, right? That's what it's I called. I don't know what it's called. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, whatever it is, I, I'm not, I'm not into it. I keep going back to the, the ad, you know, uh, novelist connection and you for one of your i don't know if it was the first cross novel but you basically said we need to do a tv commercial and i remember that commercial i remember yeah. and because there was no nobody was selling books on tv how did you make the publishers do that and, and tell me that story well they said no way yeah uh they, they said we've never done it and we're not going to do it and so i just went in i was at thompson at the time and i put together a commercial for like nothing yeah it just had the book, I think it had the book. It, yeah. And it, it just had yeah. this little spider over yeah. the book. Yeah. But it wasn't much to it. And and we, they had gotten two or three really nice quotes. Um, and I just sort of let the quotes play out. And, you know, and, and it worked. <laughs> it did work. It, it, it did and work. I, I think they were somewhat shocked. I, I tell a story in the book, which is it's a funny. Uh, so they didn't even call up. It was on the Times bestseller list. And I, I just happened to pick up the Times and I go like, holy shit, <laughs> it's number six or whatever it was. And uh, and I almost didn't believe it. So and I, I went down to Broadway. There was a Barnes and Noble couple blocks from where I was living. And um, uh, I looked in a window and there was like three copies of Along Came a Spider. And I went, wow, this is kind of interesting. And as they say in the book, and, and this is sort of true, um, a lot of us will count the books. So I knew there had been like 12 books in the stack there mm -hmm. and it looked like there was about six copies. And it's like, wow, man, maybe that thing, maybe it is actually selling. Yeah. And while I was there, this woman picked up the book and, and this is true, especially at airports for some writers anyway, certainly for me, if, if I'm standing there and you pick up my book, I'm watching you, you know, yeah. if you put it down, it kind of hurts my feelings. 420 million there, books later. Right. Okay. No, it's not, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Sure. I hear you. I hear you. It's, it's a baby. Like, it's yeah, your baby. It makes me, they looked so at your baby and they baby. said, no, the baby's not pretty. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just, but I'm watching, I'm watching this lady and she leaves through it, whatever. And then, and then she puts it under her arm and she walks down the aisle. I'm like, Oh man, this is the best, you know? And, and I watch her and she slides a book into her pocketbook. She stole it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, and all where's I'm my thinking, royalty, right? <laughs> well, I, that's all I'm worried about. I said, does that count as a sale? I, you know, <laughs> What? So that was you know that, that was my first uh, first week as a bestseller. I'll, I'll tell you, you, it still goes on. You know, listen, I, I I just just we're up in New York State now, but we were down at we're down in Florida, and this is like the week before we came up, and Sue was off doing something, and so I went to this little Italian restaurant that we like, and uh, so I get there, and and the waiter, you know, they they like whatever, so they take me down the aisle. And this lady pops up and she pulls down her mask and she goes, I, I know you, you sold us our, our life insurance. <laughs> All right. You know, but it gets worse. So then I sit down, I'm doing the appetizer and somebody behind me goes, are you from Massachusetts? And I turn around and he goes, you're Tom Clancy. <laughs> and this whole thing takes place within 10 minutes. I mean, it's like, you know, whatever. So welcome to being, you know, whatever. I welcome to be a fan. So I'll tell you another reason that you're, that you're a hero of mine. And I started in advertising in 84. You, I think you left in 90, 95, 96, somewhere around But you there. did good ads. You did good ads. Thank you. Yeah, Thompson, we, yeah, Thompson was a mess at Thompson. Thompson yeah. was a big, one of those big, I remember I was on a panel with Burt Manning. 
your old partner. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. the 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 uh, the debate on the panel, it was interesting, was is it better to be a big agency or a small agency? And Bert had a great line in there. And he said, no small agency wants to stay a small agency. He was right. Uh, and Jay uh, Shine Jay Shine had a great line is how big can we get before we get bad? But one thing that you did, and I, uh-huh. I remember this, uh, I worked with a guy named Steve Dwarren, and he told me that, I don't know if you remember, he was an yeah, account, yeah, account yeah, guy. Yeah. And he told me this, that you had said this, and I one of the reasons I sold my agency was I hated traveling. And I got a great wow. offer, and, I, and, I, hate, and I, I just hated leaving the office and yeah. seeing clients. And that you had somehow- well, I hated travel, and I hated clients. You, you say that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but you somehow had this thing where you did not leave the office, and clients- got that and understood that. And how did you make that happen? I was never able to pull that off. No, it it happened. I was with a woman and she got terminally ill. And that was a period when I just wouldn't travel at all. And and, and the clients got it. They were were cool with it. And then after that, once I established, and, 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 and part of it was I said, look, it's better off with me in the office making sure your work is good. And I was very yeah. hands-on with the work yeah. than it is for me to sit there wasting a day to come down and, you know, ring the bell. Oh, yeah, he cares because he, he came. No, yeah. I care because I'm there trying to make your work good. And, and the hard thing for, with a place like Thompson is you had X number of very, very big clients. And a lot of them, they wanted to do this one-size-fits-all, mm-hmm. meaning they wanted to do the same commercial and, and they wanted to work everywhere. Brazil. Yes. You know, it's like, yeah, oh yeah. man. It's, it and, work and then they way. have yeah. the rules, you know, Lever Brothers. Here are the 11 rules. So you go like, oh, he's, oh man, I, I want to do this. I started at Ogilvy and I remember thinking, even as a young guy, thinking, how dumb is this that here are the, his, he used to have these, what they call these magic lanterns, these rules of yeah. advertising. And I'd be like, yeah. wait, wait, there's something fundamentally wrong about that. And even I, yeah. as a young, kind of dumb whippersnapper, knew that, yeah. that, that just by Nate, by definition, you uh-huh. put that on. Now, is it true that you are the Toys R Us kid, that that, that is your thing? No, you, the you line gonna, is. The line, the line right. okay, right. The line. <laughs> so no. that, that the, fuck all the books. I mean, I there mean, you go, now, now we just hit. And we, I, because the original, there was a team there and they had this idea about, you know, the Peter Pan song, right. Grow Up. And, but they didn't, it didn't connect to anything, it didn't try to, you know, so I messed around with it. Linda Kaplan was Linda really, Kaplan Thayer. right, right. She came in and, and, and she did the, um, the, the jingle and wrote the lyrics, most of the lyrics. And she was the real, you know, brains there, but I, but I did write the line and I did make it so that it had something to do with the store. Little thing, but you know. And, and you, a little thing like that. And you did, you were the Burger Wars guy. You were kind of behind the, you were the, gen, was, the general yeah, behind the Burger Wars, so to speak. Well, I, yeah, that one I was really involved in. I did a lot of the spots and, and Hal Friedman was another uh, uh, really good writer that worked on that with me and Frank Nicola. And uh, yeah, but that was, um, yeah. And that was, I mean, it was such a funny thing. It would be on like the, the, the news. Yeah, the six o'clock news. This is when the news was like an People hour, watched half it. Yeah, hour yeah. every day, as opposed to twenty four hours a day, and and they'd have the burger wars on every night, and they'd run the commercials because it was driving McDonald's crazy, which yeah. was which was, which was funny. Uh, what I'm sad about is because I'm an ad guy at heart, even though I've done a lot of media things since, is that when we were in the business, it was really part of the popular culture. You know, I mean, you could uh-huh, do something, uh-huh. and it could get into the vernacular, become part of a presidential debate. And because yeah. of the fragmentation of media today, and uh, people don't watch, is you know obviously it's well documented what's happened in broadcast television. Ads don't tend to climb into the culture anymore. 
You, you, there is not that ad that, oh, did you see that? Ad? And I, I, I feel sad about that as a guy Every that spent most of my career. Something, yeah, but not as much, right? Well, they're not, people aren't watching television, yeah. yet, which, you know, that's not. Or, and the people who are watching it. I mean, you look at the average age for the network shows. Oh, it's like, like 63. 60 yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> what what was what, what was your experience with Zoo? Uh, the, well, the funny thing about it was um, I went to the writer's room. You know, I, people talk about me co-writing. All this shit. The, the writer's room. There's nine 14 writers. 14 of them sitting there. Yeah, these, yeah. This 50-minute, 40, 48-minute scripts or whatever. At any rate, so I go there and everybody's nice and, you know, I tend to be jokey and so we're all joking and blah, blah, blah. And then the showrunner, he said, you know, look, James, he said, look, let's be honest. I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a B novel, but trust me, we're going to make an A plus series. <laughs> and I'm like, Only in Hollywood, right? Only in Hollywood. You know? Only in Hollywood. And, and, you know, and they didn't. And I knew they couldn't because for me, for that to really work well, you needed movie budgets. Yeah. To, to, you know, to make it credible. Yeah. Okay, we're going to have cats attacking humans, but we got it's got to it, we need a big budget to do. A, yeah. a pretty good budget. You're not going to do it for these 3 million dollar at that point. Episodes, right. So it was just, you know, it was it was kind of a cool horror idea and it was just a little kind of Mickey Mouse. I hear you. Yeah. You know, it's okay. L- let's sell a couple of books. Talk, tell tell me more about Blowback, all right? I mean, you gave the basic premise. Talk to me about what what goes down. There is no more. <laughs> that's it. You just you gave me that you gave me the snapshot. The basic premise. Yeah, no, it's it's imagine and and the horror. I mean, it's easy for us to imagine. And what happens uh, with this dude uh, uh, Keegan Barrett is he gets a call a couple of of, of young. He's a former CIA guy, right? Former CIA. He's guy? Former CIA, former military, right. and smart, and smart, but but crazed, and and he believes that we have an enemy out there that we must we're get, we need to get rid of them, or they're going to get rid of us. Uh, I won't get into who it is because that's a little bit of the fun. And he enlists two young Turks from his CIA days to go out and do his dirty work because he says, you know, basically, look, everybody is doing this around the world. And if we don't do it and then, you know, and, and a lot of people feel the CIA has been doing, you know, dirty tricks for a long time. And, and to some extent they have and the Anna and the FBI plays some games occasionally too. Um, so he gets these Turks and they go out and they're doing his, his dirty work for a while. At a certain point, they kind of realize that this guy's off his rocker and, and, uh, you know, so that, that's kind of it. And, and, and the world is, uh, is in jeopardy, but, but it's, I think it's a fun read. Um, and, and, and we do, as I mentioned, you know, that the seven days in May and some of those thrillers, uh, what the hell is the one with the, um, let's forget this one. Yeah. Fail safe. the name. Um, uh, well, no, there's an, I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not for I, those I, is there a moment, I, I, what I'm always fascinated about talking to any creative person is, what if we take the most recent book, was there an aha moment, you're sitting in a restaurant or something, or you're watching the news one night, where the initial, the germ, the, 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 the little seed that turns into it, is there a- No, as I said, I, I'm doing it all the time. I'm constantly writing ideas down. I mean- I, a couple times a week, I'll put things into my idea folder yeah. as a, yeah, something about that is interesting. It uh, could be a, just a title. could be, you know, I'm just going there. And there's something there. Um, you know, I got a Christmas, which is really a fun book. <laughs> it's a real fantasy thing. It's called The Twelve Topsy-Turvy Messed Up Days of Christmas or whatever. And the idea there, the fantasy is it's this couple and they're down on their luck and they're living up in Harlem. And all of a sudden, every day, like 
the, 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 the things from the 12 days of Christmas show up on their doorstep, you know, six, whatever, right, and, right. Uh, drum in and whatever. The hell. And it's, so it's this crazy fantasy. And how can this be happening? And we play it straight. Yeah. You know? And uh, I just, it started with the song and like, I, I kind of like the song within reason as Christmas songs go. And I, I just, well, what would happen? And, you know, so it, it's kind of like that. And I go, well, then, yeah, that could be a fun fantasy. It's a cool, um, you know, different little crazy things like that. Uh, Dolly Parton and, uh, you know, uh, there's another thing we're working on now. I, I want to get into, actually, there are a couple of things I can't talk about. Them, so can't I can't, you have to kill me if you talk about it. The, uh, no, I have, to, I have to kill all the people that watch this. The, no, 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 no. Uh, it's one of my terrible jokes. We you know Mike Lupica? Sure, I know Mike, yeah. Yeah, Lupica and I, we've become good buddies. He's a we good do man. go back and forth breaking each other's shots. Yeah. He's terrific. Yeah, yeah. Very funny. Um, very good. Best writer I've worked with. He's, he's is it true? Good. Really? He's he's great. He's funny yeah. guy. I do, you know, I'm on Morning Joe. On, he has uh, been held back, you know, in my opinion, um, the people who were running his, whatever, his team, shall we say, they said, Mike, stay in this stay sports. In the sports. Yeah. Yeah. No, wrong. He, he, this he guy finally got is, out of it. Yeah. He's a, he's a great writer. He's a really good writer. He shouldn't have stayed in the sports slot. He did. Mike Lubaker. Mike Lubaker. Whenever he's on Morning Joe with me and he comes on, it's like it's like a shot of like caffeine that walks onto the set, you know? He's really a talented yeah, guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, I want to just. two books next year. I want to just drift into politics for a second because you're an independent and you. One of the reasons you're a successful writer I, is I don't do much of the politics stuff. We'll 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 play around a little bit, but you know I don't like it when entertainers get up there and start shooting their mouth. So if this is just me. Yeah. So no. No. Not I'm not going to ask for your. I'm not going to ask for your political stance or anything. What, what I'm curious about is because you, one of the first things you said is, "Hey, guess what? When I'm writing." I'm thinking about my audience. You know, something I learned in advertising. I'm actually, there's somebody out there I'm trying to write to and appeal to yeah. and get them to pick up. Yeah. So that being said, we are we don't have to go in chapter and verse, no pun intended, about how we got here uh, as far as this polarization. and How did we yeah. get here that we elected a Donald Trump? And more importantly, that after four years, four in 10 people said, yeah, give me more of that. If you were going to just, as a sociologist, anthropologist, Former ad marketing guy, guy who sells books to people. Try well, and explain that to a, me. He's a great marketer. Yeah. He is a great marketer. And he realized that a lot of people are out there feeling pissed off. And 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 he just went with it. And um and and he primarily, I mean, for the most part, he just brought up problems. He said, This, you know, we can't let everybody into the country. Uh, you know, his his point of view. Uh, uh, they're taking too much of your money. The, the central government is, you know, he, ju he just... He put it into slogan. Uh, and, he, you you just yeah. reduced it, yeah, into very human things, yeah. And 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 people went, yeah, 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 yeah. He, and he finally, somebody finally, in their, in their opinion, some finally somebody's telling the truth. I, you know, um, in terms of, of understanding him, and I know him a little bit. You got, you I live, you live right near him down there, another right? sentence. In Florida, yeah, yeah, but um, and I don't know him well, but but I I don't think with him I think it's like I mean they always do that you know uh, let's make America great you mean let's make America white again yeah exactly I don't think he's into white thing as much as he his he divides the world into winners and losers yes period 
Yes. It's not about and 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 honestly, killer, I think his father said knows. killers, killers and losers. It's killers and losers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, killers yeah. and losers. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay, same. Yeah. Yeah. But I think and I and I think, you know, in his heart of hearts, he knows that a lot of the people who are backing him, he would he considers them losers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, so whatever. I, that's just I, I have no business speaking for him. But, you know, there it is. But he but he you know, he did understand the marketing. Um, he I have this 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 phrase that I want to own. It's the only thing I have no phrases that I caricature assassination, <laughs> which is where you can. And he and he did that's a great set he of words. It's a great set of words. It's a great. I'm going to quote yeah. you on that and, 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 and give you credit because it that so sums powerful. it up. Yes. Yes, and he was. That's a, what he does. It's a slow, and he's a slow near. He continues yeah. to do it, you know, yeah. and and Pete, that's and all they can think of is, you know, that caricature. James Patterson, I appreciate your time, and how busy you are. The new book is blowback. We're going to sell a thousand, five thousand copies because of this major, major podcast here. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Thanks for Good taking to talk the time again. And, and uh, yeah, boys, I, I do. Uh, you, you're, you're a smart guy. You're articulate, and I thought your ads were great. And oh, that means I a lot. Enjoyed you uh, on television. Coming from you, that means a lot to me, my friend. You stay well, okay? Okay, we'll do. Thanks for listening to today's show. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. That's rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. Apple, Spotify, any place else. And we will see you next week on on brand. Love you listening. Thanks a lot. Have a great, safe week.